Hello everybody, welcome in. This is your host once again joining you on this rainy Monday evening. This is your host, Morada Mario Caballero. This is the Puro Caballero Show, episode 7, numero 7, and we're doing the damn thing all the way live. That's how we do it, doing it to it. But uh, first thing, I gotta say, quick, quick shout out since I just saw this video posted up on Facebook recently. Gotta give a big shout out to my friend Will Start. You can follow him at, at Will Start on Instagram. Uh, he just posted up a video of a uh, holy ship recap. Man, that thing looked pretty damn epic. I'm not gonna lie, that shit looked bonkers. Um, he's a videographer, so he got a chance to work on that project, and it looked pretty freaking amazing. So, good job, Will, you and the rest of your crew there. Um, I know he was uh, one member of a, a larger crew, so shout out to everybody. That looked really, really sick. It's really, really well, well done. But, uh, yeah, just uh, moving on. Uh, like I mentioned before, it's raining here in LA, in Southern California. So Tony, 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 them some lying ass motherfuckers, and I demand a refund. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's dripping. It's a little little wet outside. Uh, it's we're just gonna keep it moving, keep it doing it, and yeah, let you know how uh, the recent past been going and had a pretty interesting weekend pretty mellow pretty low-key was planning on maybe doing a few things but uh got some shit to deal with unfortunately and yeah number one got locked out of my apartment for the first time ever that was some shit that really wished did not happen and I only got one key, no spare, so it's pretty much fucked. So that's number one on things to do. I need to make my ass a spare and hide it somewhere. Um, but besides that, yeah, after that happened, 80 bucks uh, less in my bank account. Actually, had a pretty nice day. Enjoyed it. Wasn't too bad. Got uh, a little stony, then went out for a nice, beautiful hike out here in uh, near the San Pedro area. Man, it was uh, it was amazing. It was a beautiful day. Um, sun was out. You could see all the way out to uh, Catalina Island, and if you were on the, the other side of the hill, you could see. Um, Pretty much all like all the way to Long Beach, past Long Beach, out to the mountains, and I thought you could see all the way to downtown, but I really don't know because there's there's so much LA in between San Pedro and, and that area, so many miles. So the terrain the terrain's pretty pretty flat up until there, but even still, with the curvature of the Earth, because it is around you non-believing motherfuckers believe it but regardless it was beautiful 
was a little windy, but not cold, and I like it that way. So it was pretty nice. And yeah, I came up with an idea while I was on the on the hike, something that I thought would be a cool business adventure or venture, I should say. Uh, maybe not even just a business venture, just something cool to do. Just have a public smoke session hike group that just goes around LA in different places. So I mean, this is LA, man. People be talking it up in public regardless on the daily. It's not too out there. So you'd have we'd have to figure out the laws and have to find a place to regulate it or maybe have a designated smoke area and then dip out. But I feel like that's doable. Because, you know, the stereotypical lazy stoner pothead person is just sitting on the couch not doing shit, watching Netflix all day or just playing a whole 82-game season on 2K or something. You know, playing through the whole Champions League match uh, from the, the group stages onwards on FIFA or some, something like that. Who knows? Whatever you got to do. But I feel like that's stereotype that... Is easily broken. I know a lot of people who are just active and doing things, and yeah, I think that would be one healthy way to do things, or even just make it a social thing for people to, to kick it with and chill. Because that's one thing. If you're an alcoholic, you got so many different places and options to meet other alcoholics, versus the latter. And it's a new industry, so it's coming. It's shaping up. There were. In the past, different locations that were considered like places you can go and burn some yerba out in public, but those have been in and out of business, and I know a lot of them get a lot of shit from the people in the area. There's the local police and then just the, the different community leaders. They tend to rally against all that stuff. The NIMBY folks, you know, how it goes. But we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. Just an idea thrown out there. <sighs> yeah, and while I was out there, I got a good chance to read this new book that I bought recently. This is dude, Shay Serrano. Shout out to Shay at Shay Serrano. Got to join the FOH Army. Fuck out of here, Army. And... Yeah, I bought his classic book, Basketball, and other things. A collection of questions asked, answered, illustrated. It's a pretty dope book. This has me uh, rolling. Just thinking about all the jokes that he, he makes about uh, all these NBA players, ex-NBA players. And not even NBA players. He's got like a full, what, three chapters on the... He does a draft on the best fictional characters that you would have for a pickup game. Just like a whole three chapters on that shit. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a funny, funny book. Funny read. I'm about halfway through it. And it's uh it's a good one. It's getting me back to picking up actual text and literature and flipping through pages. Smelling a new copy. Uh fresh out of Barnes and Nobles. So that's cool. And I saw hopefully he's uh sending me that uh little Giannis uh, bookmarker thing that uh, little promo he was doing on Twitter so shout out to Shay he's uh, somebody I've been read I've been reading since he was on Grantland back in the day and 
seen another Latino name on a popular sports website entity that was connected to ESPN at the time with uh, somebody else's Bill Simmons who I have a lot of respect for. You know, obviously was going to pay attention and take a look. And this dude's pretty witty, pretty humorous, pretty funny. It's like definitely the journalistic perspective that you would not find somebody teaching at a university. And this is somebody who like took a lot of journalism classes and courses while he was in college and majored in comp studies and all the like and uh, analyzed the shit out of everything and overanalyzed, psychoanalyzed and was overly critical of a lot of things. So that kind of put me in a bad mindset, which is kind of weird. It's like if you're going to prepare someone for a certain um, type of uh, career choice that they're going for, you know, you kind of may want to sell the shit out of it versus the other way around. But eh, I guess that's just academia and all that. Anyway, so I've been reading this stuff for a little bit. Still haven't had a chance to get his other book, though, the uh, Rap Year book. That's another one I think would be pretty dope. Uh, if It's along the same lines as this one. Most, most definitely. That'll probably be one of my next ones. I need to get dive into something... I think fiction probably next. Maybe something in the magic realism realm. It's kind of intrigued me as of late, but I'm kind of a lazy ass a little bit sometimes, so don't necessarily act on those thoughts 100% of the time. So, yeah, read more books, folks. Stay learned. You can always learn something new. I always try to take that perspective in everything. And I always feel like you can always learn something from everybody. Now, granted, it's not going to be maybe something that's practical every day. But, hey, you learn and you move forward. You can learn from everyone. You know, maybe sometimes someone who's not as accomplished as you or can't do something as off the bat as you can. Maybe so that person teaches you patience. Who knows? Or if someone's harping on you because they feel like you're out there doing the most, spend a lot of dough, maybe they're trying to teach you frugality or something like that. Or maybe that's what you, have, what you learn from the situation. Who the fuck knows? And sometimes the same message has two different uh, ways you could take it or multiple, a multitude, a platitude of ways that you can kind of take from it. It's like a picture has a thousand worlds. There you go. Y'all get what I'm saying. Anyway, yeah, that book was dope. Got to read a lot of the chapter out there. And found a few, a couple secret little spots and areas that I really know about. Saw some locals around there. Got to see a few old school uh, Lolos chilling out there by the beach. That was pretty cool. So the homies out there playing some oldies. And that's what's up. It's definitely what's up. But yeah, got to read some of those chapters, man. And it was uh, it's pretty funny just reading and comparing and contrasting the two. I guess there's like a, kind of a different divide, generational divide or multiple generational divides that you kind of see within the book because he kind of breaks it on down from about 1980 onwards. So pretty much when Magic and Bird enter the NBA, when it, most people consider it got modern. It's a 
pretty interesting to see how people stack up and how people compare and it's hard and it's tough because literally the rule book is different in the NBA now than it has ever been before this play styling is different the mentality and the tactics are different as well and back in the day it's like you attack the rim and that little piece of territory under the hoop was the most sacred territory that you could find as a defense you did everything possible to make sure and limit opportunities in the paint there's a lot more post-ups a lot more um let's say fast break opportunities leading to layups definitely guys weren't looking to shoot and the three-pointer was uh, an invention in the aba actually back in the 70s nba didn't really adopt that until the mid 80s i want to say 83 84 oh my god some dude on the net's got a nice top 10 dunk. It's about all they'll get in this year, but hey, it is what it is. Tough league. Somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. But it's a bit of a difference, you'd say, between a player like a Kobe Bryant or a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan, even compared to someone like a Jerry West or Elgin Baylor. It's just the different generations. And. The way the league's set up is completely different. There's a lot more parity now in the NBA due to the fact that there's 30 NBA teams. And there's, back in the day, there was like, what, maybe 12 in the league at certain times? I mean, there was it was a lot less. There's player movement due to free agency. Guys aren't held onto by certain teams until they trade them pretty much or they release them. So there's more freedom that way. The wages have gotten better. The technology's gotten better. Both just viewing the game, how it's played, how it's presented, how fans interact with uh, players or the leagues and different things. Just how they interact with the content as well. It's completely shifted. You know, back in the day, I'm just seeing for me, when I grew up, and I'm like sounding like old as shit saying this, but motherfucker, I'm only 25. But even then, this just shows you how fast it's gone. I used to have to wait all the way through the full hour of Sports Center just to see if they would show my Sacramento Kings versus Indiana Pacers highlights, which sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't, even when they were still winning 40, 50 games a season. Nowadays, I don't even have to turn on the TV. I can look at my phone. I can pull up Twitter, and the Kings Twitter account is already up there showing exactly uh, the best plays of the game or whatever just happened. I can even pull up my phone and watch the game from my phone if I do so choose. I mean, it's pretty damn, damn crazy how far it's gone. Three-point line, free agency. There's been so much, so much has changed. But one thing that really hasn't changed in terms of uh, recognizing when superstars just need to let it go. By letting it go, you know I'm talking about the follicles on your dome. And if we're talking about head hair, there's only one dude right now that comes to mind. It's the king, man. I gotta say it, because a lot of people have been saying it, but it has to be said. This past weekend, the game on Sunday, damn, 
That shit was atrocious looking, man. Come on, Braun. You're better than this. Take some pride in yourself. Come on, man. You look all right for the commercials. I, know, I see you talking to Carrie uh, Champion and Kevin Durant in a damn Uber. It looks all right there, but, I mean, we see, we all see it. We watch the games, man. Come on. We all know the cameras come from the top down. They don't lie. We all called out Carlos Boozer when we had that spray-on hair shit. I mean, come on. We got to call spade a spade. Bron, we love you. Arguably the greatest ever. Best in this generation, I'd say. Overall. If you had to think of a basketball player and just make him up in the lab, it would probably be LeBron James. Like, if you had to just take one player and just all the attributes, and if you had to score at the highest and distribute it all over the place, you'd pick LeBron. Sure, there's better players that have at every single attribute, but none of them as well-rounded as him, I would say. That's just me, including his mentality, and that's, like, the mental aspect of the game because the dude is smart as hell. Dude always knows how to attack defenses and knows when to rest, knows when to really go balls out, uh, balls out, put all his effort in, knows how to control the crowd, knows how to control the pace of play, knows how to manipulate de- defenses, knows how to get matchups he wants so his team can attack on offense, knows where shooters are, he knows everything, he knows where the defense, how the defenses normally rotate. He knows which way you're weaker at defending. He knows which way you're weaker at as an offensive player, right or left. If you're going to shoot a step back, if you take two dribbles to your left. If you're going to do a double cross and then pull up. Or whatever your tendencies are, man, the dude's on top of it. But come on, Braun. As a dude who lost his hair at a young age and came, came home, just accepted it. I'm pleading with you, dude. Just do it, man. Just do it, man. There's a list of great NBA Hall of Famers that have done it, man. Ain't no shame in the game, man. Have us everyone. Every single one. Bron, it's it's looking it's ugly up there. Looking like you get some dry lint and shit and just put it try to glue that shit up on the top of your dome. We all see where it's going, man. We all know. It's bad. It's real bad. It's bad news. You can't you can't get away with the shit nowadays. Yeah, not an HDTV era. The HDTV era, in my opinion, changed the game, man. I, I can't in my mind think of like a bigger turning point in terms of entertainment in my lifetime, honestly, than the invention of high definition. Because HD just made you be able to just warp right into people's living rooms. Like, oh, God, it's crazy. You'd be able to see see shit like as if it was right there, like in front of you. Especially if you got one of the big TVs, man. That shit can be overwhelming sometimes. Some things seem larger than life when they when it gets projected on there. And it's just like, whew, crazy. Remember standard definition, man? I guess we get, to, get used to HD and we get used to it. But, man, standard definition fuzzy ass shit and you just had to like kind of guess at what everything was if you're watching sports which I was pretty much all I did growing up at home that's what consumed me is listening to music watch sports but 
watching that shit. Trying to look at the ticker and can't tell if it's an eight or a six. Is that a seven or a one? Can't really see. Who the hell's at the free throw line? I don't know. Who the hell did he throw the ball to? What number is that lineman that got the sack? Like, you can't see it. Couldn't see it. Was that a splitter or changeup? I don't know. I couldn't tell. Fell in the general area. Dude missed it. It looks like he's uh, mad at himself, I'm going to guess. And yeah, it looks like a strikeout. So you kind of had to like make some inferences and like different things like that. But yeah, nowadays it's just all laid out there in front of you, man. It's just it's almost better than if you're at the game because when you're at the game, sometimes you certain things are far away. You can't like hit the zoom button on your own eyes, maybe on some like Google Glasses futuristic type shit on some Tony Stark shit. But nowadays you can't do that shit. You can't hit the little button. Just I'm there, or you hit another perspective, another angle, hit that replays. So yeah, one of the reasons people are losing money, or the NBA teams, or people uh, going out to games less and less, the prices. I think like the general fan and like the actual in-game experience is kind of moving away from that. Where I think a lot of people can kind of consider themselves and be more true fans, even who have never been to a game in their life, which is kind of crazy. I'd say that was accepted maybe less so in the past. But a lot of people are like, man, screw that. Sit on my couch, eat better food. Don't cost me half a paycheck or whatever. Especially if you got a family. Psst, forget it. gotta be saving up for like a month or something you gotta put that out budget that out ahead of time or whatever you're doing if you're balling like that i guess it i guess it is it don't really matter it is what it is but yeah hdtv a couple funny anecdotes so i remember the first time i realized hdtv was the shit so i'm watching the kings play like a basketball game like right when it first came out and like right when my family got an hdtv big old vizio out of costco shout out to costco coming through with the jug costco is definitely the plug on a lot of shit just in general life but yeah so we got that brand spanking new television and the first time in my life i actually realized sharif abdul rahim had freckles on his face it was amazing it was like a revelation like oh my god it's like information is being withheld from me <laughs> shout out to shout out to uh uh, Sharif Abdul-Rahim Big man Played in the NBA Played the Hawks for a little bit I think he went to Cal also One of his last stops was in Sacramento One thing I can remember about that dude He's left handed He could literally not use his right hand Still carved out like 10 plus year career in the NBA It's amazing <laughs> It's amazing It was incredible really it's like, oh, he's got the ball. He's going to use his left hand. Yep, use his left hand. Shot it again. Oh, it's like the defender would like, didn't even matter. It's like he would know it was coming, and he would still get to that shot every single time. It was a little left hook that he had. He had a couple, like a little scoop shot and a little jumper. All lefty. Just going all left every single time. Just going left or he's passing the ball. <laughs> it's pretty much it. Still managed to put up 2010s. Like nobody's business. So yeah, shout out to him. 
And another shout out to, we'll make a little transition here on over to the music side. We're going to give a big shout out to the Bay Area Brethren's SOBRBE. That's the gang bitch. They put out a new album last week. Man, that shit was pretty fire. Also, had a feature on the Black Panther soundtrack too. Very, very fire, fire track as well. But that SOB RBE, I think they coming up. They're getting a lot, a lot of hype right now. Young T.O. Oh, shit. Look at this. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm watching this, uh, this highlight on Sports Center. Chris Paul dribbling the ball out. James Harden's mom comes up to give him a high five. Chris Paul gives him a high five. A ref calls out of bounds because the, <laughs> the lady's standing out of out of the bounds. And he touches her, so technically he's out. <laughs> Even though they're closing the game out. Didn't really matter. <laughs> Shout out to Harden's mom, Mrs. Harden. But yeah, SOBRB. Yeah, they got that new uh, that new album out. Carpooling. I think God's my favorite track on there. I think that's uh, Slimmy B on, on that one. That one's pretty dope. But yeah, they're getting a lot more recognition nowadays. Obviously, a lot of people know Anti, like Young T.O. from that. They got some slaps, man. Whoever is a producer always does a really, really fucking good-ass job. He or she or whoever it is, if it's a group of people, if they get beats from a lot of different folks. I think they got some like more well-known producers on this one, but whoever their in-house production crew is, shout-out to them. Once again, they always come through with the old-school slappers. Be taking all of the old samples from some of the old funk shit that... My parents used to listen to and play all the time, so that's really dope. Wow, JaVel McGee hit a turnaround jumper. Damn. Guess the clock is right. Broken clock was right twice a day. <laughs> twice a day. You see John Stewart like he's fucking can't believe it. <laughs> he's looking at the election results from last year. <laughs> oh, maybe a little too soon. Or not. I mean, fuck Trump. <laughs> Real talk. Anyway. Yeah, so I was actually watching an interview with Michael B. Jordan though. Um, he actually, they're asking him what his uh, what his favorite song off of the the Black Panther mixtape was or album was. He shouted out "Paramedic" by Sob and Kendrick. That song goes hard too, man. That's one that uh, you play. You nod in your head. You feel like a badass just rolling around in your car, or you're just in the gym. Just repping fucking two or three plates on each side. Hitting that chest. Getting that leg pressing. You doing like seven plates. Just many. Just going hard. That's what that shit does. Or if you're going up on the treadmill. You hit that last run on the level three or four incline. Just say fuck it. That's what that shit makes you do. That's what it makes it feel like. So shout out to them. Shout out to Michael B. Jordan too. Uh, we went over last show. Killmonger, amazing, amazing character. Not quite villain, I would say. More antagonist. That's just being picky. That's just me having like one art of the cinema class under my belt. <laughs> so take it for what it is. But yeah, along the music train, gotta give. Another big shout out to the Smokers Fest, uh, Smokers Club, uh, Smokers Club Fest. That's what it is. Yeah, 
Also, gotta say this podcast powered by some purple princess OG. Some good shit. Let me bring this up so I don't act like and sound like an idiot talking to you guys. Smokers Club Festival. You see, it used to be just a tour. I remember when that shit was just a tour. I would see him come out and they would always get like two two or three different pretty big artists and they would just roll around good old US of A. And song come through um, to LA a couple times. I think Currency was on both those tours. Maybe Wiz and Smoke Dizzle for sure. I know Nipsey Hustle came out to one of the shows. Nah, it wasn't Wiz. Wiz was blowing up at that point, but even... It wasn't super, super huge. We were starting to get a little bigger. Nah, man, nah, I saw Wiz at a show, I think, 2010, 2011. My God, it was overcast inside, if you know what I mean. There was cloud coverage everywhere. The fog was dense, to put it that way. It was lit. The smell was quite loud. There was a plethora of... Uh, skunk aroma in the air sound like someone had run over an animal anyway let's see here we go smokers club festival so i bought my ticket it's 173 out the door for two days check out this lineup right here so it's at the end of april saturday and sunday the 28th and 29th of april Here's the 28th. We got Wiz Khalifa with Kushin OJ, which is like the best piece of music that he's ever come out with. That's what put him on. And that's what made him known as him. I kind of branded him. But yeah, he's going to be performing Kushin OJ, so I'm hyped for that shit. I haven't seen him play that in a while. We got Schoolboy Q, who I've seen a bunch of times. He's always fucking dope every single time I've seen him. We got uh, Titty Boy 2 Chains. Um, saw him. What the hell did I see him? Um, uh, nine months after that, Similac. I saw him perform that shit way back when. Uh, what the heck was it? Uh, pay dues. I want to say pay dues. Yeah, pay dues. Pay dues or rock the bells. I always get them too confused. He was on one of those. I remember him and Future showed up. That was kind of cool. I see a lot of dudes. Anyway, yeah, two chains. He's gonna be there. Little pump, little pump, little pump. I really don't. He's cool. He's whatever. I'm not. There's a couple songs he's cool with, but he's a crazy person. We'll see how that goes. We got a boss man, Juicy J. Shut the fuck up. We got him in the building. Trippy Red. The aforementioned S O B R B E. Will you beezies? We got the hospital currency. Psyched to see him. I think this would be my like eighth or ninth time seeing that dude. One of my favorites all time. Oh God, I gotta get up on a lot of his new shit because I've been sleeping. The dude is just so consistent with the music, man. It's hard, hard as fuck to keep up. And this is somebody who's like what five, six years straight to listen to every single project he put out. But I'm not gonna lie, I've been sleeping on a lot of his new shit, so I gotta, I gotta get caught up. He's one of my favorites. I gotta get on his new shit. Little Skies. Somebody's gonna have to put me on some of these names though. Sherlock Mafia. Uh, Xavier Wolf. Black Boy JB. 
Snow the product. No, I don't snow the product. She's, uh, she's another Latino out here from, uh, I believe, SoCal. I've heard a couple of her, her tracks before. So let's see how she does. Young Pinch, no clue. Draco the Ruler. Heard, heard of, heard of. I think I might have heard a song or two. Do some more research. ASAP 12V. I heard his album now. That actually was pretty solid, man. Last Year Being Broke is a good-ass song. That's a motivation track right there. That's another one to put in your playlist. You got to play Last Year Being Broke and then back-to-back First Year Being Rich off the ASAP Mob album. That's how you got to do it. You got to do that transition. And if you ever hear anybody playing that shit at a party, fuck them. I did it first. So, yeah, you got to do it like that. So, 12 is dope. And here's the other thing, too, about some of these festivals. Sometimes they might bring out some homies or some friends and stuff like that. So, you never know what will happen. They actually got Smoke Dizza. Shout out to Dizza, though. He's been doing it real, real big for a minute. That album he put out with, uh, not Premiere. Who the heck was it? Oh man, who the hell was it? He did a Pete Rock. The album he did with Pete Rock. That shit was was solid. That shit was cool. I've been listening to his shit since George pushed the button way way back in the day. That shit was was throwback. That dude's cool. Seen him a couple times. So glad to see Dizza again. I got Joiner Lucas. They're probably gonna perform that I'm not racist shit, which is cool videos, pretty dope concept. I'm not sure how good of an overall artist he is. I haven't really heard other shit, and not talking shit to a lot of these guys. I just honestly just haven't had the chance to listen, and I try to withhold judgment until I have a good understanding of what type of artist they are, and then at that point, if I find them to be boo boo garbage, pura bosura, then I made it made it be known. So I'm willing and open to give these people a chance. Let's see who else we got besides Jordan Lucas. Oh, Boogie. Boogie. I've seen him before. He actually opened up for uh, Mr. Carmack um, on one of his tours. Not this last Christmas time, but the one before. It's like maybe like January 2017, something like that. Yeah, I remember seeing him. He he was dope. Listened to some of his songs, some of his tracks. He listened to a few of his mixtapes. He's uh, he's from out here in LA. He's from uh, he's a local dude. Compton, I want to say. Don't quote me on that. Design seat shit. Squid Nice, no clue. Abby Jasmine, no clue. Flip Dinero, no clue. The Villain Park and Javi Grams. Shout out to y'all. Hope you're all dope. Wonder how many of those other names on the bottom I might see that Saturday. That's April 28th. And let's go over the 29th. Here's who I'm actually excited to see the kid named Cuddy Scott Mescuddy himself, live in the flesh. Now, I actually was just talking to a friend of mine. We both actually saw him a long time ago on the aforementioned paid dues lineup and I'm not gonna lie I was that was the most disappointing and heartbroken I had seen uh performance that I had seen just because I was such a big fan I had built him up in my head as being obviously an amazing amazing artist and he definitely is and definitely has been at times it's just at that point and I think you can kind of hear in his music as well if you've paid and paying attention as well is that 
he's got substance abuse issues and I think at that point he was probably partying a little too hard maybe a little off the rails and I think he's mentioned this and talked about it in the past too because he's had some personal demons to deal with he's he came out on stage just drunk off his ass and didn't know where the hell he was and was forgetting his lyrics and was sloppy just generally sloppy just not a good performance no one enjoying it and it was it was ugly remember it was like me my homie jordan marklin shout out to you and my homie david lank shout out to you as well they were both with me and it was was just a big letdown he was definitely the dude i was probably most hyped to see at the time and it was unfortunate what happened and so at that point after that happens i'm kind of I'm kind of the personality the person where if you burn me one time, it's like it's hard to get back into my good graces. And so at that point, even though I was listening to his music and was enjoying it, like some of the albums that he was putting out afterwards, Man on the Moon 1, Man on the Moon 2, there's a few others. that had It got a little spotty after that, honestly. Kid Named Cuddy's still my favorite project uh, that he made by far. But yeah, it was... It was it was a big downer, big disappointment. And yeah, me and Jordan were talking about this, catching up. I think on Friday, it was just not not good news. So I'm actually excited to see how he performed. Because the last time I had a chance to see him was at Coachella. I want to say 2014, the middle year I went. So I went 12, 14, 16. Yeah, 12, 14, 16. So 14. He performed that year and actually I had the chance to see him and I decided not to I was like man screw this I'm gonna go listen to my house music or something something else I'm gonna go listen to my other shit I don't wanna get burned twice man talked to a few friends of mine who actually went and they were like bruh this was like one of the best performances I saw all weekend and immediately I had hashtag FOMO regret up the ass it was bad I also pissed at myself but at the same time I'm like eh you win some, you lose some. I still had a good time. I can't can't dog myself out too hard on that. It was still good. But I was disappointed I didn't get to see Cutters. So I'll get to see him this time on Sunday, April the 29th, as long as he gets his shit together and makes sure he takes a flight to LAX or Long Beach, wherever he's flying out of. So hit me up. If you want to smoke out, Cuddy, what's good? I'll let you know. Also in the building, Mac Miller. Who been up and down as a fan for sure. I've seen him a few times as well, actually. So I'll be excited to see him. He's got some slappers. Obviously, anti-Trumpito now. Which was kind of weird because he had his Donald Trump shit song that was a little popping. Remember Trump actually liked it at the beginning and then later actually sued his ass because of it. Which is a total Trump move. Just shoes everybody he does, disagrees with. Or is confused with <laughs> in his mind. He's like, I don't know if I agree with you or not. Eh, you should give me money anyway. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Anyway, so I say ever shot. That's some dude who I haven't seen. I think, nah, one of the few members of TDU I have not seen live. I'll say that. So I still haven't seen SZA or Sir either. I think that's it, Isaiah. And then, obviously, the Black Hippie crew. But Zayra shot his last album was really dope. 
I'm not gonna rely on that. Gotta pull up the uh, the Google just so I can actually say his damn album. The Sun's Tirade came out in 2016. That shit was actually pretty damn dope. Go ahead and bump that shit. There's some good shit on that one. Forte Squaw is a good good song. I like the concept of the video. That was a really dope one. I think What's Wrong with uh, Zachary and Kendrick. That is my favorite song on that project. Kendrick's verse, he just snaps. He just goes berserk. That one's crazy. Stuck in the Mud with Scissors is another good one. AA is a good one as well. It's a good project. You should listen to that. He's real introspective with his shit. I'm excited to see him. Flapper Zombies. Ooh, I've seen them before. I think I might have actually made their Palm Trees music video last time I saw them. At Cochise 2012, I want to say. First year I was there. It was crazy. I got some pictures on my laptop. I took off of uh, Disposable when I brought with me. That shit was many. That shit was many, bro. That was a crazy, crazy time. Whew. Yeah, I got I to gotta get back up on game on their new shit, too. Oh, back to the uh, next dude on the list, Ty Dolla Sign, who I've actually seen before. Also, man, this is crazy. I'm, like, repeating everybody, but fuck it. You like who you like, right? So Dolla, Ty Dolla Sign actually saw at an MTV show that we got him for free. I think my homie VJ, I think VJ might have been there. I know homie Frank was, went to a couple of those. i trying to remember who else was there at the time. Maybe the homegirl Jenna Laboo Booty. Can't remember who who else was there. Anyway, we got to see Ty Dolla Sign for free, and another the next weekend I think, or the weekend before, we saw Nat Mac Miller, and they had a little bar uh, area set up in the back, and they did a little interview with Mac, and he was sitting like two stools next to me from the bar, which was kind of dope. I was like, oh shit, there he is. He's right there. That's what's up. Making good music. And I think at the time he had just started dating Selena Gomez. I have no idea if they're still together, and I really don't give two shits. But after the fact, we found out that she was actually like standing front, like right there at the stage, in front of the crowd, which it was like a pretty hectic crowd. Because you're gonna get a lot of people who like go to events for free and shit, and they're ready to go buck, especially if they're seeing actual legitimate artists. And that's exactly what was happening. So. Anyway, yeah, Ty Dolla Sign. He gonna croon the shit out of it. He's got some hits. He might actually bring out a lot of guests because he's got collabs on collabs on collabs with everybody and their moms. Shit, man. My fucking Nina might have done a song with Ty Dolla Sign. I don't know. Moving on. Got Mr. Dom Kennedy. Dom Kennedy. That's another dude who I fucks with heavy. Even before I moved out here to LA, I remember listening to some of his projects when I was in high school. How far is it back does he go? I want to say 25th hour might have been 2008. 
Hmm. Let's see. Where's the wiki? Wiki, wiki, wiki. Where's the discography? I need that. Discography. Here we go. Mixtape. Yep, 25th hour. Boom, I'm good. 2008. First one I started listening to was Future Street Drug Sounds, actually, the next year in 2009. And then you had the Best After Bobby. You want to say what that was with the Los Angeles Leakers. The Most Side with Love. OGDK. And then I don't think I listened to the Yellow Album or Young Nation or B.O.B. 2. Did pick up his album, which was a From the West Side Look Love 2, and Get Home Safely. He also had By Don Kennedy and LA's Not For Sale Volume 1. So some of his new stuff I haven't really listened to as much. He did uh, show up on Nipsey's new project, The Victory Lap, which was dope. Um, didn't mind his verse at all. So, see some more dope it stuff. How about the man Earl Sweatshirts, though? That's another dude I haven't really had the chance to really dive into. Because this shit is super crazy. You should listen to him back, like, the early, early OF days. And the dude is just a monster. Full thieve is like unreal, dude. I remember when that dude was. Where was he? It's Free Earl. Remember seeing OF right around that era, right when like Earl was freed. Who is he? Like Indonesia? No. Samoa. He's on some crazy island way out in the Pacific. But he's back in the U.S. now. And actually, it's funny. He's actually had a friend of mine who knew him growing up. Hopefully, we'll get Isaiah his uh, lazy ass to actually respond to some texts and get up on this motherfucking podcast at some point in the future. Because, man, if there's think, if you think there's regular shit talking now, man, shit talking finna commence as soon as we get together. Anytime we link up, bro, it's always... Just spraying them back and forth. But as we digress, who else we got? Lil Xan. Mm, whatever. Jid. Now, that's a young dude who I've actually listened to who I like. Listen to Never. That Just that song right there. That's another one you need to put in that damn playlist. That shit slaps hard. The way the beat changes up at the end. Ooh, boy. As soon as you hear that beat, it's just like stink face. He says, is a boomafu on you all? Like, oof. You, no one's ready. No one's ready when he drops that on you. No one. I, I repeat. No one is ready when Jid drops the Zaboomafu reference on you. Uh, that shit was cold. Cold-blooded. It was cold as ice. Who else we got? Dave East. Very some songs from him. He's, he's got some slappers, too. You need to pick up more on him. Rhapsody. Now, this is an artist who I've heard of. And I've heard a little bit of. Everyone wants to claim that she is like the next one. Or that she's been the next one for a while. And every time I hear her, she spazzes. So she put out a project last year as well that I got on a lot of top lists. 
I haven't had the chance to check out. Actually, Layla's Wisdom. That's the name of the album. I heard a couple of the songs. It's different taking in a whole album versus just piece by piece, song by song. So yeah, we got Rhapsody, The Underachievers, another group who I just haven't had a chance to, because for me, I kind of filled up the whole musical catalog with a lot of the rap shit early, and then more of the house shit later, and then other shit in between, but definitely back more to the rap shit recently, and kind of comes in waves, comes in here and there. So I miss shit. That's what happens now. I just got to live with it. I can't see everything that happens on my motherfucking timeline because the motherfuckers don't want to put that shit in chronological order no more. So fuck it. I'm not going to see nothing. I'm not going to see everything. I just got to accept it. Is what it is. Got Cousin Steez. Harry's good. Young Bands. Never heard. Nick Caution. I don't know. DZ Malo. DZ Malo or DZ Hollow? Desi Hollow? Desi Malo? I don't know. I can't read that. Chelsea Reject? No idea. Schoolie? Schoolie, I think I've heard of. Aaron Martin, Crutch, Calhoun, Levy Gray. There you go. The last one's. Mm, I don't know. What's that? I'm doing the shrug emoji with the hand out to the side. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Passes are cheap, though. The single day passes are between uh, like 85 bucks. The cheapest one. The weekend pass was like 150 That's what I got. Plus 20, 25 bucks service fee. Bro, we out there. We living. It's going to be on the Queen Mary. Out in Long Beach? That's super chill for me. I'm like in the area. That's like. Around the corner, shit. That shit is super close. Shit is hella, hella close. This shit is gonna be foggy as fuck. It is uh, forecast calling for a lot of cloud coverage on the 28th and 29th of April. Well, Mario, how can you tell what the weather's gonna be like that far into the future? Say, bitch, put money on it. Put fucking money on it. Uh, smokers we're gonna be out in full force I'm trying to think who's gonna be the the artist that's gonna be chiefing the most oh shit Wiz I forgot about Wiz how did I forget about Wiz I know Cuddy be smoking like crazy oh shout out to Invander King coming to the Sharkies hope he can do well you know he had some uh, some problem with some of his teammates see a lot more black players in the NHL nowadays and a little friction here and there. What's new? Really? Really what's new? But I think it should be cool. Play for San Jose. I have no idea where the Sharks are. Probably way at the bottom this year. Still going to root for them. The hometown team. They got the dope, dope sweaters. Dude, I've already said it. If they ever win the cup, I'm for sure buying myself a sweater. I'm jumping on it 
those things look freaking sweet, man. The teal. Shit looks boss. The, the shark is eating a stick coming at you. Bruh. Too apropos. Too beastly. Too, too beastly. So that's going to be a good one. But that show. This show is going to be crazy. I'm hyping it up. I need everybody to come come with me. My birthday is the 24th. This is going to be my birthday celebration. This is my birthday gift to myself. So everybody needs to join me. There's no there's no other choice. If you're in LA and you're not joining me, then we're not friends. I think it's like that. Do it for me, man. Do it for me. But yeah, I think this show and how it's going to be on the Queen Mary, I think that this is another exhibit A. Another example, though. Just like the whole perception and the the way... People here in California are just super accustomed to how the new, the new, uh, the new MJ laws are at. I mean, it's pretty much just don't be an idiot, don't smoke in your car, don't be smoking and driving, don't be doing all about in people's business and stuff like that. Be try to be discreet, and you're cool, pretty much. Just don't be an idiot. Use common sense and judgment, or should be uncommon. Should call it uncommon sense nowadays because nobody has that shit. Sometimes me included, but still, just think. Think a little bit with your brain. So what you've been doing your whole life, man? It's you've just been training until this moment. What have you learned? What have you been able to apply? Yeah, the marijuana laws are changing. They be changing. So a lot of people more relaxed, more more chill. So I've definitely noticed. Not everybody on high alert no more. Yeah, I think it just really goes. Just shows you. As people get older, people get accustomed to new things. It's just changing the generations. Everyone's got their own. Their own kind of MO that they're used to. And then things change. Things shift. Perception changes. New ideas go out of style. Some ideas go back into, uh, back into style. It's kind of like fashion that way sometimes. It's like fascism's back on the rise. Like a motherfucker. Thought we beated this shit. But it's a never-ending process. It's never just the end all be all. And I think a lot of people didn't take that into consideration. So yeah, now we gotta beat fascism again. Great. Something that our great grandparents kinda dealt with. I say ours referring to as like America as a country, knowing damn well my grandparents were not a part of this country at that time. And even when they uh, were, in this country they weren't accepted as such so this is kind of a weird way in a fucked up perspective and mentality that i have as being a child of immigrants and all that because you're neither aqui neither allá not from here neither there so whatever get in where you fit in but yeah there gotta beat the motherfuckers again now sucks 
But yeah, I think one of the biggest, biggest differences I would say between current generation right now that's kind of, yeah, all right, everyone wants to say it, millennials, everyone, the easy, easy term, easy way to go about it. The millennial generation has a way, way different perspective on the war on drugs per se than the generation before, which is what, Generation Z? X? I don't know. What the fuck is it? I'm going to look it up. Millennials versus what? Millennials. It's with an eye, you idiot. I don't know why with millennials. Gen Z? Oh. Gen Z's like my little brother. That's and my sister. They're like the generation after us. It's Gen X. That's what it is. <laughs> it keeps coming up with a survivor. Millennials versus Gen X. Okay, Gen X is born between 63 and 82. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Millennials are between 84 and 97. Huh. Oh, no, that's just the show. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. You guys get it. Gen Xers, man, they like to blame us for a lot of shit that they kind of started. I'm just going to throw it out there. When the shit stank, handle it. It's yours. Y'all just put us behind the eight ball. Made us more indebted. Made it so our degrees are less important. Made it so we... Well, yeah, some of the policies, I would say. Definitely made the economy go boo-boo in 08, 09. Resulting in us coming up in a time when... Just a lack of opportunity and therefore less and less of a chance to actually become contributing members of society. So definitely not the best situation to be put in put in. I'll just say from myself. Uh my family was going through some hard times right when I was going through college, man. It was, it's no lie. That's some nerve-wracking shit to go through. So I don't know what's going to have to happen. If I need to bounce out or transfer somewhere else and go back home. Or just start working or whatever it was. But I got God blessed me enough to be able to make it through. And my sister too. And now we're in a better situation and my brother should be able to. God willing. God forbid. Yeah, I just came back, I guess, to the war on drugs. I think the Gen Xers definitely had a more hardline stance in terms of being able to tackle a lot of these issues with drug users, drug pushers, the wholesalers, distributors. There's a whole supply chain that's out there right now of just black market. And there's people who get caught up in that world. And I think through the media, 
through literature, through documentaries, through news articles. I think people are starting to get the picture. And it's it's tough to kind of take a whole holistic view of the whole scenario and the whole situation. And to take every single actor and character into consideration and how they all relate within each other. But in our society is crazy, man. If you look at it just like from the outside, as if you were like an alien coming to this planet, not having any idea about what human society is like, you'd be like, man, these people are insane. If there's one thing I would just recommend, just go watch The Wire, top to bottom. Season one, all the way to season, the end of season five. Top to bottom. That will give you a very, very good perspective in terms of how it affects one particular city. But you can extrapolate that everywhere. It morphs a little bit differently depending on the region, the territory, and who's there. But in essence, it's the same story that plays out over and over again. It is what it is. It's the, I think a lot of people were starting to realize that you can't beat this problem viewing it as a an enforcement issue whereas if you have more resources to go jailing people up and punishing people that that would fix the situation in society when all the research and evidence will clearly tell you that it hasn't where the most jailingest country in the world where a large, large percentage of that are black and brown people. Let's be real. When at the same time, the statistics have stated that through each racial or ethnic group, the percentage of drug users tends to be roughly the same on average. So you cannot in any way or sense state that just because someone has a certain particular hue or skin color or has a certain type of melanin or pigment in their skin that they are more susceptible or less susceptible you know to to using drugs to selling drugs or et cetera et cetera some of the biggest drug pushers I ever met and knew were some just average ass white dude you'd probably see on the street and just wouldn't even think of. Versus the people who everyone expects it to be is some big, scary black dude. And just to be honest, like that's what everyone's kind of stereotypical dude will kind of be like. I think we kind of are able to kind of see through that a little bit and to, you know, make the difference in, in our head and the delineation and be able to tell. So I think that that's progress and that's that's one step of the way. And I know a lot of the mandatory minimum drug sentencing laws are just draconian. Especially when you put them in a place that just makes them even more hardened. And it creates a scenario where you get the recidivism. Where somebody who, once they enter the system, it's damn near impossible to get them out completely. Damn near. It's like 
pretty damn incredible when you think about it. And then there's like a million and a half different documentaries you could watch. One of my favorites, I think it still might be on Netflix, called The House I Live In. Might not. I think it, I think they actually took it down. But if you can actually see that, that would be amazing. That that was just an, it was an amazing story. It was really, really well put together. I want to say Brad Pitt was a part of it. Maybe Oprah. There was a couple of big names that were attached on the financial end and the production side of things. But they really let the story tell itself. I would recommend watching that. A lot of people say 13th, the uh, Ava DuVernay. Uh, documentary I'm slacking I don't watch no, no new shit so that one is definitely on the list that I gotta you know dive full head on into it was just tough for me coming off of a few years of just really deep diving and uh, kind of making that like my the main thesis paper and my communication studies uh, courses so I kind of had to st- step away from it a little bit because it just got too, you just get too deep into it. You just get too far gone and your mind gets to certain spots, certain places you don't necessarily want to be in. So I had to put that on pause for a little bit. And that's right around the time when the documentary came out a few years ago. So I'll have to revisit it at some point near near future. But there's a lot of other ones that are out there. It's just, it's just sad. It's it's really really sad, cause a lot of that uh, war on drugs has been used to kind of populate a lot of terrorist acts in a lot of different countries. When you think about the U.S.'s involvement in a lot of the drugs in the last forty years, fifty years, think about where we've been and what we've been doing, or what has happened as a result. You go to Vietnam and. Opium productions ridiculous in the seventies. There was a lot of small communist revolutions in a lot of Latin Americans and South American countries. Oh, we had them by the throats. Cocaine production goes through the roof in the eighties. We get involved in the Middle East in the nineties and the two thousands. Opium production once again goes ridiculously through the roof. Unreal. And this time, the U.S. market is targeted this way through the pill production. So it's a little bit more discreet. It's, you get it from your doctor, of course. Someone you could trust. Go ahead and take it. The pain will go all the way. But now we got ourselves an opiate problem that's probably worse than even the crack epidemic I would say yes it is based off of the statistics for sure some people won't think of it that way because the opioid problem tends to be more of a middle class white person problem versus the crack epidemic hit a lot of people of color a lot of black folks got fucked a lot of different ways a lot of people say the US government is complicit in it some people stay, go a step further and say that they were the masterminds and the plot behind it. The way that they could amp up the policing tactics and kind of create de facto um, 
segregation in certain communities the way you can economically tie someone to a certain place and keep them down in a certain certain area I mean that's what I feel kind of happens it's generational because you fuck up one family there's a kid in that family who's fucked up he has a family he fucks up that family he has a kid that's fucked up he or she has another family there and the, the cycle continues over and over and over again and it's hard for people to really see that but it's sad and it happens and there's repercussions for that and we're kind of dealing with some of that stuff now see a lot of people will see problems in society and they want to make the band-aid fix they want the quick easy solution they want something that will make the problem go away so they don't have to think about it and they don't have to consider it when in reality what we need to be doing is instead of trying to fix the effects of the problems you got to look at what the cause and the root issue is that's the only way you can create substantial change that will be everlasting something that you can kind of take with you for years and years and however long that and all my years of studying and all my years of just living this earth is one thing that I would definitely teach teach someone someone who's young you gotta go to that root cause find the overall bigger theme what's the bigger picture look outside of it think of other perspectives take yourself out of your own two feet your own eyes and try to say what if so you gotta be a little bit creative in your mind to be able to do that and you gotta be a little selfless as well too You got to think of other people. So you can't just be thinking about what your own reality is and what that means to you. You got to think about how other people's might be different, how it might be the same. And that just, that doesn't apply all the time, but say about eight times out of 10, you're pretty straight. So the war on drugs, man, really, really, really needs to change. really needs to improve. And slowly and surely, I think things have. You have more more leniency and more compassion, I would say. A lot of people are just kind of fucked from the get-go. And it's not really their fault. They just kind of fall along a certain, certain, you know, railroad tracks or a certain road that doesn't lead anywhere. And sometimes they don't got a map They don't know where they're going So the people who do have knowledge of that road Or knowledge Have access to the map They have to have the responsibility to Be able to share that knowledge Share that information Share that resource So I know there's a lot of people out there doing good stuff And we're trying to get to that point And I think one thing for sure is we're starting to be more cognizant of these things. At least I am. I can see as a whole, I think a lot of people, but most people don't really think about these things. And it's just uh, it's a shame. It's a shame do we have to even consider, consider the thought. But hey, 
this is the hand we're dealt and it's only one option to play it so what are you gonna do step up to the challenge or go ahead and fold so I mean yeah I mean one of the things you get you get a lot of times too like I was saying though is just kind of like de facto segregation I feel like that that's even here in LA I mean it's pretty pretty stark and evident LA gets a really good rap in terms of being a really diverse city and you get a lot of different mixtures and you get people who look a lot of people who look different who can occupy similar spaces but at the same time it's a very highly segregated uh, city as well not de jure like it's not written down per se but there's different areas where you know who what type of people you're going to definitely run into I'll put it that way and it shifts, it changes. It's always it's an ever changing thing. Gentrification is definitely real. It's real as hell. Like when I first moved out here in 2010, Skid Row was a different part of uh, you know, had different blocks, different territories than it does now. We saw how a lot of the investors came in and kind of keep pushing them further and further east, past Los Angeles Street. And then from there, some of them get pushed into the outskirts. Some of them move to, to K-Town where I used to live or they go down to South Central or wherever I mean there's still a large large community that lives right over there but there's like the arts district that got you know really renovated recently whole downtown area past the financial district going farther farther east like historic downtown is what they call it that downtown corridor right there a lot of that is really new. There's so many new restaurants over there, different places that just didn't exist about a decade ago. I mean, downtown LA used to be considered a food desert. Food desert is like areas or pockets of uh, people live or work where there's just not options available. Now there's a goddamn Whole Foods and people are building skyscraper apartment, luxury apartment buildings. Well, I charge like people 3000 for a one bedroom. And that's 3 k a month. Easy. If not more than that. So it's just insane. And then you know a lot of the investors who put the money to build a lot of these skyscrapers are actually owned by Chinese businessmen and businesses. It's kind of crazy to think about. like international or people who whose interests are elsewhere are kind of shaping the cultural landscape of one of our major cities here in Los and in, uh, in the United States it's pretty crazy it just shows I guess globalization capitalism how that really works Wow, we fell down a rabbit hole, folks. I don't know how the hell I got here, but uh, yeah, we're there. We're talking about segregation and all that. Oh yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, I can spell it out for a lot of people. You're going to find mostly black people when you go to South Central or if you go to Inglewood, for the most part. There's pockets of 
different Latino communities there as well, too. Especially South Central, more so there. And that's kind of changed from being almost 100% Mexican, from what I've been told, to a lot more uh, Salvis, Hondureños. And from people from Central America and other Latin countries, too. I mean, we've got, what, a Thai town. There's Little Tokyo. There's Chinatown. There's other pockets of Japanese towns, uh, Japanese communities, like in the South Bay, like we're talking about on the last podcast. And there's different... uh, Middle Eastern communities I know if you go Like towards The east side of Hollywood That is the Armenian pocket Of uh, little Armenia You'll see a lot of Armenian Used to be taxi drivers Now Uber drivers Up in that area I'm trying to think where else Yeah I mean there's uh, Pico Union That's Recently, I'd say in the last 30 years, traditionally, the uh, Salvadorians, where they've laid uh, claim and territory. Traditionally, the east side of L.A. has been a lot of Mexican, although, and that's changing. A lot of stuff's changing. I mean, Venice was considered a mostly black community or like a big portion of black community. Venice Beach, I think they used to call it the ghetto by the beach. But nowadays, it's... It's changed. It's crazy. It's way different. I had some people like tell me kind of how it was growing up. How there used to be some houses that like, some Crips used to own, and et cetera, et cetera. You'd be throwing banging parties and all this stuff near the beach, and cops would never come shut it down. And loud music all the way till like super late in the morning, till the sun came up. Yeah, that shit doesn't exist no more. You still got the weirdness in Venice Beach, but it's it's like commercialized weirdness now. Which it might be a better thing. There's good and bad things. Because I got some friends that live in Venice and have lived there for a while. It's a cool little area, but it's different now. It's crazy when you have like these old homes that were built in like the 50s or 60s. People don't give a sh- two shits about that old architecture. What they do is they buy the property just so they can tear down the house and build up a new one because they got the money and bank like that they don't give a fuck they're like I want to live here and I want to live the way I, I want to so if this is what I need to do to do it then so be it and I'm not in a position right now to to be able to, to do uh, power moves like that one day I will oh my god one day I will but Right now, I mean, that's some crazy shit, man. You don't think somebody living and uh, working $15 an hour job is going to be able to afford that? Fuck no. Fuck no. So when somebody comes up to you and asks and offers you $600,000, $700,000 just for that uh, rundown house, I mean, a lot of times you're going to take it. A lot of times that changes the community too. It's the people who are living in the house. And how they view the other people. And then eventually the minorities start to feel pressure. And sometimes they move themselves out on their own. 
just to kind of get that sense of community again. So then you get the the change, and you get people who move from out of LA. Like there's a lot of people from South Central and from uh, Watts, Compton, Inglewood, who've moved to like Chino Hills or Riverside or San Bernardino, way out, way the fuck out there, or they moved to I don't fucking know, out to the valley. Things change, things shift. So there's like a lot more Latinos and a lot more Black people who live in those areas now than there probably ever was. And then you get friction and tension again over there. So everything is always moving. Everything is constantly changing. That's another thing I kind of try to remember all the time. In life, the one constant is change. It's the one thing you can bank on. Just because it was here yesterday doesn't mean it's going to be here tomorrow. Period. So... You kind of think of it that way, kind of be less mad when things kind of go away or something quite ain't how it used to. It's going to suck, but there's going to be some better things out there. So you got to give and take. It is what it is. And I think we're going to end the show on that note. Remember, folks, it is the Puro Caballero Show. This is your host, Marado Mario. Just go ahead and follow your boy on Instagram and Twitter at Puro Caballero. Para mis gringos, that is spelled P-U-R-O-C-A-B-A-L-L-E-R-O. Think puro, like pure, P-U-R-O. Think C-A, like California, like the coolest state in the U.S. And then baller, which I was what I am, you know. And then O, for Oakland, because <laughs> of the writers. Caballero, boom, right there. Spell it out for you. So just go ahead and take a look on there. Find all the updates on me Twitter. And also remember to tune in, subscribe on the SoundCloud page. Also on the Google Play Store for all your Android users for the Google Play Music Store app. Google Play Music app. That's the official name of it. Boom. Just rolls off the tongue. And we're also on Stitcher for all devices and the TuneIn Radio app as well. We're working on that iTunes coming soon. We'll let y'all know once that is available because I know most young motherfuckers are some suckers and are still sucking Steve Jobs. You know what. And even though it's morphed to Tim Cook, y'all still got it all up in your mouth. So... It happens. Just if you're Stan, just admit it. There's no, you know, no problem with that. We can all be Stans about certain things. But I've been on Team Team Android. I think I might stay there. Who knows? Could jump ship. Just, uh, just been a rebel so long. It just feels, feels right. Feels kind of right. People want to go left. You gotta go right. People want to go right. Gotta go left. It's kind of how it feels sometimes. Gotta go go with the yin with the yang. Gotta gotta counterpunch sometimes. Can't be the dude coming at you. In any event, this is Mario signing off. It is February the twenty seventh, and episode seven. Till next time, deuces.